Blog Talk Radio. Germany is $11 an hour. 
France is $12.35 an hour. And guess what, folks? The U.S. is a big $7.25 an hour. And they want to raise it to 10 which is still way below. Well, not for a few years, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, we'll raise it $0.25 cents this year and another $0.25. You know, really? It's oppressive. It's extreme oppression. And we don't even care. We don't even, I mean, we don't even know. I mean, that these other countries are making so much money, and the United States is like fifth, uh, you know, probably even less than fifth. You know, this is just to show that's just a sm- No, that's just a smattering of countries. It doesn't say yeah. where we are. But we're at 725 as opposed to the next highest, which is uh, $11, $11. Germany. France is 12 Australia 15 and Denmark's 21 What the hell? Bombing yeah. Iraq. And guess what? We got McDonald's in all those countries. Never forget that since 1945, the United States has attempted to overthrow more than 50 foreign governments. In the process, the U.S. has caused the end of life for several million people and condemned many millions more to a life of agony and despair. So, now we're into. Bombing Iraq is an American tradition. Yeah, well, first Bush Sr., then Clinton, then Bush Jr., and, of course, then Barack Obama. They all declared war in Iraq. It's like Thanksgiving, turkey, and American cheese, you know. But do you love this guy? With unemployment at record record high levels, I like to give 12 million illegal aliens the right to compete with you for jobs. That's another thing. Isn't that amazing, this guy? That was a picture of Barack Obama saying that. Yeah. Uh, so, let, let's, uh, Obama's NSA can store six years of records of every phone call and email from 300 million Americans. But his IRS has no records of the past three years, his EPA of the past two, or his State Department the last eight hours of the Benghazi attack. Right. How convenient. Is that something? So anyway, let me go up here and it says, let, let's look at this. Monsanto and the geoengineers, uh, uh, lethal mix for humanity. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, well, they have a new report that's connecting it to autism. Yeah. How bad can this insanity be? Get. It's worse than almost any understand or are willing to face. Finally, scientists with honor and moral fortitude are beginning to speak out on the record. Dr. Stephanie Sniff from MIT is one of such heroic, heroic scientists and researchers. She has documented the inconceivable continued increase in autism that now calculates out to half of all children born having this ailment in the next 10-plus years. The all-out assault against life on Earth must be halted, and it will take all of us working together to get this job done. Much of our food supply is now laden with Monsanto's toxic brew of Roundup. When combined with the mountain of aluminum and other heavy metals being sprayed on us by the climate engineers, it is a recipe for a severe breakdown of the human organism. To put all this into the overall picture, not only is climate engineering completely disabling the planet's life support system, 
The toxic heavy metal fallout is combining with the Monsanto chemical nightmare to completely disable the human health system. We are all in a fight for life, nothing less. We must all examine our priorities. What should our time be spent on? If we do not immediately deal with the challenges just outlined very soon, nothing else will matter. It's up to all of us to help in the dire task of sounding alarm until we reach critical mass awareness. When this happens, the power structure will begin to crumble. The article below should be shocking to any that are slightly awake. Yeah, that's what they talk about. It's about by 2025, half of the U.S. kids born uh, will be diagnosed with autism, according to Dr. Half of all born. Yeah. God. According to Dr. Stephanie Sniff, Sniff, senior research scientist at the MIT Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Laboratory, she, like many others, says autism isn't just genetic. It's almost surely due to environmental factors. Just a couple of these factors are Monsanto's Roundup, glyphosate, and heavy exposure to a cocktail of heavy aluminum metals, including aluminum. Dr. Seneff isn't respected by the ivory towers of the pharmaceutical medicine paradigm or industrial ag agriculture because she has something to say about autism. She's a computer scientist who trans into, transitioned into biology and toxicology. So people like to attack her credentials. But what Dr. Seneff has said has to say is key. And many other mainstream researchers have been negligent in reporting these findings. She has been studying autism for over seven years, along with the environmental factors that lead to the disease. Decreased exposure to sunlight, poor diet, vaccines, as well as glyphosate toxins from Roundup are causing skyrocketing rates of autism. She explains this in a two-hour presentation given recently at Autism One. Aluminum and glyphosate. Aluminum and glyphosate specifically interrupt the workings of the penile gland, leading to high rates of autism. She outlines this fact in pinpointing detail in her research. Furthermore, glyphosate chelates manganese. Chelates manganese. Excuse me. Furthermore, glyphosate chelates manganese. Dr. Sniff believes that just the absence of an appropriate amount of manganese can help to cause autism. Glyphosate also promotes aluminum uptake in our tissue and interrupts an important path for amino acid uptake called the shikimate pathway into our guts. That's a little complicated. And you yeah, can go you to this. It, you know, what's happening is, is that you know, everything that's going on around us is causing these problems. And uh, <laughs> it's, time, it's time for a chemical reform. Yeah, I mean, it's just absolutely right. You've got to get rid of Roundup. You've got to get rid of Monsanto. You've got to get rid of uh, Clarence Thomas. You've got to get rid of all the assholes and dongus and all the people in the, in the country, okay, who are advocating this Monsanto, this the chemtrails, this, you know, horrible, horrible, horrible stuff. And it's just... It's, destroy, it's ah, destroying us. It's killing us. It's killing our future. It's killing our, our kids. It's, it's absolutely horrible. Horrible, horrible. 
and it's just, just, you know, and we just let it go. I, I get so frustrated and so disgusted by this. It's just, you know, uh-huh. Uh, it, it really is. Just, uh, uh, okay. Well, anyway. Uh, I don't know if we, uh, I, I don't know if we, I, don't, I know we didn't go over this, but I wanted to, I, I found it the other day. And uh, everybody also loved, uh, what's her face? Joan Rivers. Joan Rivers. Uh, and, uh, oh, she was such a wonderful woman. But it turns out she, she, she was just, a, you know, a She wasn't quite horrible. as wonderful as what uh, the media portrayed. She was, she was just a, a, another Zionist mouthpiece, okay, uh, who hated Palestinians, hated any, anybody who had anything to say against Israel, okay? And she was just a... A crazy, crazy, wicked, mean... Stop the war. This is woman. from Stop the War. Uh, Children of Gaza and the Death of the Plastic Joker, Joan Rivers. Stop the War Coalition. You can read this article. Joan Rivers was utterly irreplaceable, said Prince Charles, not noticing that most of her had been replaced by plastic. Joan Rivers died in an endoscopic clinic where she was having her vocal cords examined. Her voice had been getting raspier and raspier, and recently she berated an interviewer on leaving LAX Los Angeles Airport, who had the impudence to solicit her opinion on the current massacres in Gaza. She turned on him angrily screaming that she had zero sympathy for the civilians killed in Gaza because they had fair warning to get out, and they didn't, and they didn't so they deserved to die. They were told to get out. They didn't get out. You don't get out. You're an idiot. Hamas, she continued, was reelected by a lot of stupid people who don't even own a pencil. At least the ones that were killed, she added, with savage relish, were the ones with very low IQs. That's not funny. It's cruel. She's sick. She was a sick bitch. She then praised World War II being ended by Hiroshima and Nagasaki. That's terrible to drop off. Oh. And she continued hoarsely shouting at the interviewer who had the gall to ask her, in her view of her uncritical support for the Israeli state, what were her feelings about the deaths of 1,400 people? They started it, she said. We now don't count who's dead. You're dead. You deserve to be dead. In her snarling (coughs) triumphalism, she was suggesting that 373 children killed by Israel's protective edge have brought their own brought on their own death upon themselves. You're dead, you deserve to be dead. However, Kamar is also a bitch and shortly afterwards Rivers would lose her voice and worse still upon her entering the endoscopy clinic and being given an anesthetic, she fell into a coma and died. The friend of Nancy Reagan, the friend of Netanyahu, and the friend and favored wedding guest of Prince Charles she would dance attendance upon the rich and powerful and make it clear that she held political opinions that matched theirs. She played the court jester and then growled, we must bomb the S out of Iran. Her friend, the prince, said that he was deeply saddened by the comedian's death and keen to identify himself with outpourings of showbiz grief. He added that, Joan Rivers was an extraordinary woman with an original and indefatigable spirit. As an unstoppable sense of humor and enormous zest for life, she will be hugely missed and utterly irreplaceable. In his dull insolence, 
the hapless prince had overlooked the fact that his heroine, fond upon in Hollywood as the Duchess of Dirt, Queen Wise Arth, and the Goddess of Snark, had advised his future and daughter-in-law, Kate Middleton, if you ever want to go to Paris, fly, don't take the tunnel. Oh, jeez. But perhaps he hadn't really forgotten it. Perhaps he perversely savored River's sick reference to his ex-wife's untimely death. And nor did Charles seem aware that, far from being irreplaceable, much of Joan Rivers had been replaced by plastic. I love that. Thanks to nearly 300 operations, she'd become a smooth-skinned gargoyle, coated by a lustrous chemical sheen, a reflective veneer on her taunted pink skin. In 2010, she tweeted, With all the plastic surgery I've had, I'm worried when I die, God won't recognize me. The historian Alan Hart responded, if she was still alive today, I would say to her something like, if he doesn't recognize you, perhaps you should worry and whether he, he will forgive you for saying that because they voted for Hamas, the Palestinians of the Gaza Strip prison camp deserve what they were getting when Israel was delivering them more death and destruction. The chosen people. Mm-hmm. And often... Yeah, others disobliging wondered whether those disposing of her body would cremate her or would recycle her plastic corpse. I've had so much plastic surgery, she declared, that I, when I die, uh, they will probably they will donate my body to Tupperware. Although, sadly, Tupperware might not think it served their brand devoted to keeping fresh uh, food fresh in a hygienic fashion. So most tragically of all, despite her surgery, she was wistfully to confess, no man has ever, ever told me I'm beautiful. Well, I can understand that. Uh, most tragically of all, despite her surgery, she was wistful, yeah, uh, I'm beautiful. Maybe that was because there was an inner ugliness that couldn't be concealed by cosmetics. And the inner ugliness of a woman could often complain how much she was inconvenienced by children on planes by saying, where is Casey Anthony when you need her? Casey Anthony, being an infamous mother, accused of killing her two-year-old daughter by suffocating her with parcel, uh, parcel tape. Ugliest of all, perhaps, Rivers took a hideous pride in doing anything for money. For $500, I'll write for Hitler, she said. And there is now a new face in hell with its mouth made of collagen and a voice that can mercifully be silent. Hmm. Uh, I think that's interesting. What a, what a horrible woman. I, I, was, I was shocked when I heard all of those things. I couldn't believe that yeah, somebody no, she, could be so I saw, unkind I and videos. mean. I, saw I mean, she was really mean. Yeah. Oh, she was horrible. And uh, she used to attack everybody in Hollywood. You know, that's what they call the, the Duchess of Dirt. You know. Yeah. And uh, oh, fine. We do not need Monsanto. We produce enough food at this fine time to feed 12 billion people. Yet we are only 7 billion on the planet. The people are starving not because of lack of food, but because of lack of money to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's really horrible. Uh, I think we read this last week. Uh, the Cornell University. I don't remember that. You don't know? No. Um, but you may have. Yeah, 5.6 million per gate. I'm pretty sure we did. Yeah. And this uh, inside down. Uh, uh, okay. What I wanted to do tonight, uh, 
Asian 
Guantanamo, Iraq, and Afghanistan. That took five days to uh, go through uh, all the evidence and the legal uh, argumentation. Today, um, you can see a succinct statement of war crimes in the Rome Statute for the International Criminal Court. But, of course, that's not all of them. And in addition, when that Rome Statute was drawn up, the United States Ambassador Schefter uh, went in there and did uh, damage control, damage limitation, uh, to significantly reduce uh, the amount and extent of coverage. So the ICC statute would be a good place to start, but that's not the end of the matter. And so how significant were the Nuremberg trials in establishing the principles of international law regarding war and genocide and so forth? And did they eventually begin a process that led to the formation of the ICC? Of course, without, without Nuremberg, that was the idea of the United States, uh, we would not have the International Criminal Court today, uh, and we would not have uh, uh, most of the laws of war, war crimes that, that we see today. And again, just to show you the um, current utility in Malaysia uh, to prosecute Bush and Blair for a war of aggression uh, against Iraq and get them convicted, the heart of our case was the Nuremberg Charter judgment and, and principles. Uh, their guilt for a crime against peace is unassailable. Switzerland, uh, but his lawyers advised him not to go to Switzerland. 
Uh, I've tried three times to get Bush in Canada, but unfortunately the uh, Canadian government protected Bush. Uh, so we'll, we'll keep after uh, Bush and Blair uh, for sure uh, for crimes against peace, war crimes, and uh, torture in general, certainly for, for Bush, Cheney, Rumsfeld, uh, Ashcroft, and the rest of them, uh, for torture. It is large-hearted and courageous people who are not diminished by saying, I made a mistake. President Bush and Mr. Blair would re recover considerable credibility and respect if they were able to say, yes, we made a mistake. So we have these verdicts now uh, in Malaysia. They're the first verdicts given anywhere in the world uh, against these individuals. I know uh, uh, your correspondent, Press TV, Lauren Booth, was there. She did very extensive uh, reporting uh, of, of these uh, proceedings. And we have a whole team of lawyers there in Malaysia and uh, internationally, and we will go after them. For the second time, the Kuala Lumpur Foundation to Criminalize War is putting a former head of state and their administration before a people's court to face charges of torture and war crimes. Now, if Bush and Cheney are similarly found guilty the end of this week, the question will arise, which U.S. organization will have the nerve and the power to try the same thing? You know, the wheels of justice might turn slowly, but they do turn, and uh, I, I feel confident that at some point we'll be seeing Bush and Blair in the dock somewhere. If I don't get them, some other lawyer will get them. Also based on the Nuremberg Tribunal, murder or ill treatment of prisoners of war or persons on the sea, killing of hostages, plunder of public or private property, wanton destruction of cities, towns, or villages, or devastation not justified by military necessity are also crimes against humanity. Now, given their role in authorizing torture at Abu Ghraib and Guantanamo, can the U.S.-led officials within the Bush administration who were responsible for these, uh, for these tortures be charged with crimes against humanity? And is complicity in such acts a breach of the Geneva Convention? Yes, this was the second round of uh, proceedings in Malaysia that just concluded uh, mid-May, where um, the thrust of that indictment, there were two charges, first Bush and Blair, crime against peace, and the second uh, Bush, Cheney, Rumsfeld, uh, Ashcroft, and their lawyers for torture and war crimes charges and we will continue to pursue these individuals. Just, uh, this is just a reminder uh, to all of you that they have been convicted of war crimes. And Obama, of course, his name is added to the list. Well, and, and no, he'll, he's they haven't been convicted. They've been accused. But no, they've been, they've been accused, and, and Obama gave them amnesty. That's right. In, in this country. But and now he's so going he's to now he's going to war against Syria. He's, and he's committed so many war crimes mm -hmm. uh, himself. Himself. And Israel has is, is committed war crimes. Uh, the, the the international courts have stated this as well. Uh, you know, and and trying to bring those bastards to trial. Nothing's right? happened though. Nothing is going to happen. Not now, but 
know, maybe, 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 maybe he'll drop a nuclear bomb on Israel or something. Who knows? But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I wish to God something would happen. But anyway, we are. Uh, it's it's annoying. You can go to this. You can get this on YouTube. It's called Bush Blair. Oh, I'm sorry. Bush Blair wanted for war crimes uh, by Boyle, right? And uh, it's from Press TV. Well, it's a good reminder to us that they've been convicted of court, oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. they haven't been, uh, the court has said they're guilty, uh, looking at all the evidence, but they haven't been able to be apprehended. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I just wanted to, uh, huh. read that last week, huh? Uh, yeah. Right. So, let me, let me get out of this. I'm going to go to uh, another one that you have over here. And I will ask you to let me read some of it. Okay. We have various things here on this site that we want to read. Oh, a Zionist group publishes target lists of anti-Israel U.S. professors. The American Initiative, the, no, the AMCHA Initiative, the, scientist, the Zionist organization that has repeatedly intimidated, spied on, harassed students and faculty, appears to be escalating its campaign by publishing what amounts to a target list of anti-Israel professors. AMCHA says that the list is made up of 218 professors identifying themselves as Middle East scholars who recently called for the academic boycott of Israel in a petition. Let's see. What else I said about that? The Amcher Initiative, the Zionist organization that has repeatedly, I just read that, um, students who wish to become better educated on the Middle East without subjecting themselves, this is what they put out, to anti-Israel bias or possibly even anti-Semitic rhetoric may want to check which faculty members from their universities are signatories before registering, Amcha says. It urges people to share this with blah, blah, blah. Let's see. It alleges that those pledging to boycott Israeli institutions complicit in Israeli crimes against Palestinians have violated both the letter and the spirit of the federal law which funds their teaching and research. Anti-Palestinian groups have previously tried to use the presence of public funding as a pretext to try to suppress free speech and academic freedom. In one such effort tried to answer, a pro-Israel group repeatedly tried to persuade the state of California and other government bodies to prosecute California mathematics professor David Klein for supposedly misusing state resources by using his university-hosted personal website to criticize Israel and call for a boycott. Amchus claimed that disseminating a list of professors calling for Israel to be held accountable can somehow protect Jewish students 
is based on the anti-Semitic stereotype that Israel represents all Jews and that all Jews identify with Israel. This is exactly the kind of bogus association that lay behind the University of Illinois' official justifying for their firing of Salaita. Amcho was founded by Tammy Rossman Benjamin, a Hebrew lecturer at the University of California at Santa Cruz. Rossman Benjamin is a notorious anti-Palestinian and anti-Muslim activist with a history of litigious threats against students and faculty. An exclusive investigation by the Electronic Intifada earlier this year revealed that Amcha had infiltrated the student trip to Palestine in 2012, confirming long-held activist suspicions that anti-Palestinian political groups are spying on student activists. An attorney told the Electronic Intifada that such surveillance could be in violation of several laws. Rossman Benjamin herself has been caught on videotape making virulently racist statements against students involved in Palestinian solidarity activism on campus. But despite protests by students, the University of California has taken no action in response to her activities. This type of complicity by university administration has, been, has sadly been the norm and undoubtedly emboldens groups like AMCHA to escalate their attacks on academic freedom and those who practice it. Fundamentally, if we must rely on the union to deliver social justice, 
who is going to deliver it? The only possible answer to that question in the current UK political setup is the Labour Party, the party that has abandoned political activism, cozied up to the wealthy, pledged to keep the lowest corporation tax on the G7, and uh, supposed supported renewal of the UK's absurd and obscene weapons of mass destruction, and which is committed to maintaining Tory uh, public spending cuts if elected next year. Okay, conservative cuts. But even with the manifesto, Labour's uh, chances of reforming the next UK government are not looking good. So your position requires both a radical shift in Labour fortunes and the reversal of many other current policies. Ah, you say, but the SNP is no better. That is arguable. But your editorial positions fall into the trap of assuming that a yes vote is a vote for the SNP and its policies. What, and basically what they're saying is that we, they would be a better, a much better uh, off without without the without England, you know? Maybe. It was mm -hmm. not a great president, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, they don't, the British don't seem to be too worried, so it says to me they've conquered them economically, so maybe, well, you know, maybe, it's not as going to be as great as you think. Well, it might be. It might be. Uh, yeah. I was I was just noticing there was a piece on Stephen Colbert. Uh, a U.S. satirist looking resplendent in the kilt says, "I stand with my secessionist brothers and invokes Mel Gibson as William Wallace on Monday night's episode of the Colbert Report." The TV host welcomed Guardian U.S. assistant editor and proud Scott Matt Wells to discuss. Thursday's independence referendum. That might be interesting. Let's just see what he has to say. And that's the 18th that the, the vote. Just three minutes. Here to tell me just how brief he's going to be is assistant U.S. editor of The Guardian, Matt Wells. Matt, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. 
for the people in England? Uh, I think it will be difficult. Um, uh, Is that an English word for firebombing or something like that? Provide 
500 million euros for restoration of eastern Ukraine, given the uh, economic woes and dire straits uh, the situation, uh, the you know the region is in. Uh, but can we be sure that this uh, aid will reach the troubled regions? I think it is necessary because otherwise the German taxpayer uh, will become angry, and uh, the German tax taxpayer is not willing to spend money here or there for people who uh, go on with fighting. Well, uh, also, uh, Merkel has uh, accused Russia of sending weapons across uh, the border, and something that Western officials uh, have been saying for quite a while, but um, nobody has produced any proof yet. Why is that? Because, as I mentioned earlier, the German population, and it's the same with all the other Europeans, they are fed up with NATO lies, and therefore it is necessary to find constructive ways and means to uh, have talks with the Kiev government and also to have a successful meeting between President Putin and President Poroshenko next week in Minsk. Now, uh, you, you know, uh, it, it seems like uh, the Western side has its rhetoric and keeps uh, going with it without providing any uh, substantial uh, information to back it up with. For example, a recent Twitter post uh, with the random photograph of a Russian tank, uh, and that was already enough to set up uh, the NATO-level accusations of Russia staging a military invasion. So uh, what do you personally think about the situation? Oh, you already uh, explained some of the position there, but, I mean, personally, what is your take on this? We never made such an experience uh, of our own mass media and uh, when it comes to our own uh, government that we have so much propaganda um, in uh, our relationship with our neighbors. And therefore, this has to be stopped. And the most uh, critical man with regard to this is the NATO Secretary General, and uh, I think we are all happy when he leaves office. Uh, now, unlike the U.S. officials, uh, Chancellor Merkel uh, earlier agreed that uh, the Russian uh, convoy's mission of delivering humanitarian aid to Ukraine uh, is of utmost importance. Does it mean that she has a more uh, somewhat moderate uh, stand on the issue, unlike her um, American counterpart? She expresses what uh, the German population thinks. Uh, what we heard about the last weeks was the bombs are falling, artillery is firing, and uh, missiles are directed to the civil population. And therefore, for the first time since weeks, if not to say months, we saw a constructive uh, approach to the situation in the eastern part of the Ukraine, it was the Russian aid convoy, and suddenly the weapons were silent. We heard no firing, we heard no missiles, we heard no artillery, and therefore I think the approach of Angela Merkel to the situation in the eastern part of the Ukraine fits completely into the sentiments of the German population. Right. The former state secretary of the Ministry of Defense in Germany and former Vice President of the OSCE Assembly. Thank you so much for talking to us here on RT Internet. All right.
so but that's that's basically what they they're they're fed mm-hmm. up with it too. Uh, is uh, Germany. And yeah, I mean, it's a drain on your economy. Yeah. You know, it's interesting uh, that... Uh, Mossad is another name for... A German man, well, a German man on trial for being uh, for being Islamic, an Islamic State jihadist played for Jewish football club. <laughs> yeah, I, I had heard that, but I don't know anything more about that. Well, it turns out, actually, that the Mossad... Its other name is the Israeli Secret Intelligence Service, ISIS, which is ISIS. Yeah, you know. So I mean, what a, what, a, what a spoof on, on us, you know? I mean, a twenty. Let's just read that little paragraph. Twenty-year-old German man went on trial in Frankfurt on Monday on Monday on charges he was a member of a of the extremist Islamic State group, the first such case to come to court in Germany. Prosecutors allege that Krishnak Berisha who once played for a Jewish football club, traveled the last two years to Syria and fought with the group before returning to Germany five months later. For Isha, who faces up to 10 years in prison for membership of a foreign terrorist organization, was arrested in Frankfurt Airport in December and has been held in detention since. Yeah. Yeah. Well. There's more to that, but you know, it's just interesting that ISIS uh, is the name of the Israeli secret service. I think that's humorous. So they named the organization that they Islamic held state of Israel, uh, Israel. Of, of the Islamic, Islamic state of Israel, of Syria and Iraq. Right, right. Or I saw the Islamic state of Syria and Levant. Uh-huh. Carney is still White House propagandist, now posing oh, as yeah, pilot yeah, yeah, CNN yeah. reporter. Yeah, that's such a, a that's such a crock. Debunked IMS. This might be ex IM bank mix. That might be interesting. Interesting. How long is that? Taxpayer more exports. Let's just. I think that might be interesting. Oh, we only got uh, a few minutes. Well, just maybe it hits five minutes. I think that was the other one I wanted to play. Oh, here's a here's a cute cartoon. They have an Arab Arab states back U.S. push against uh, Islamic state. We have agreed to fight the terrorists we have been arming and funding because it gives us the excuse to bomb Syria. Clever? No. Yes. I just read that. Oh, you did? That's right. Well... Arizona Republican called for forced sterilization of women on welfare. Karma bites hard. Arizona's former Republican Senator Russell Pierce has been forced to resign as the party's vice chair after arguing in favor of coercive sterilization of women in receipt of Medicare of Medicaid, along with compulsory drug and alcohol tests. Who's he to say that? Pierce made his awful remarks on Saturday on the radio show of Arizona Democratic Party Executive Director G.J. D.J. Quinlan. Huh? Boy, it's amazing these people get elected to anything at all. I know, but this is Arizona, where uh, you know, they're kind of like the U.S. Uh, Saudi Arabia. Yeah, you know, they cut off your cut off your head if you. 
That's the same thing. They didn't. You put me in charge of, of Medicaid, Pierce told one caller. The first thing I do is get female recipients, neuroplant birth control implants or tubal ligation. Then we'll test recipients for drugs and alcohol, and if you want to, or use, if you want to reproduce or use drugs or alcohol, then get a job. Nice guy. Nothing vague or ambiguous about that statement. Quinlan promptly issued a press release on the exchange demanding Arizona's GOP leaders denounce Pierce's views, and quickly they came as Republicans went into disaster recovery mode. One such denunciation came from leading GOP strategist uh, Sean Noble who uh, took to his Twitter account Saturday to call for Pierce's removal. He said, there's nothing conservative about fascism. Pierce doesn't represent Republicans. He must resign or be removed. <laughs> by, 11, by 11 p.m. Sunday, the party is announcing his resignation, and Pierce was distancing himself from his own comments. In a written statement, Pierce argued that he had uh, merely shared comments written by someone else and failed to attribute that to the author, yeah. Oh, yeah, right. This was a mistake he wrote. This mistake has been taken by the media and the left and used to, to hurt our Republican candidates. Yeah. <laughs> a fine example of a public non-apology. Arizona will, uh, will likely be a better place without Pierce, mm -hmm. who, as Senator, pioneered the state's brutal anti-immigration laws which empowered racist sheriffs like the disgraced Joe Arpaio, alternate proof, a searing encounter of Arpaio's force and action, which included forcing Latino female detainees to sleep in their own menstrual blood, assaulting pregnant women, ignoring rape, widespread use of uh, racial slurs and racial profiling, and the random unlawful detention and collection punishment of Latinos. A good riddance, Russell Pierce, don't let the door hit you on your way out. Yeah, yeah. he can't go fast enough. Yeah. He's a horrible yeah, guy. Well, it's like the other idiot from Missouri or wherever he was uh, uh, last year, or a couple years ago, um, when uh, he said that all women, uh, that no one was raped. They no, Remember that? Oh, yeah. No women were raped. They It was all uh, consensual. Yeah. You know? Like, where he, was he was a Republican from Missouri or some some one of those one of those crazy states, and uh, he got kicked out too. No uh, law. No. So, but anyway, it's time to go, and I want to thank everybody who joined us tonight, and uh, we wish you a uh, happy good evening, and join us tomorrow night when Lila and I talk about union issues and bring up some more environmental issues, uh, and. Uh, uh, so then, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being with us and enjoy the rest of the night, folks, and talk to you tomorrow. Yeah, good night, everybody. <laughs>